Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Well, good morning, everyone. Such an honour to be in church with you today. Take your seats for a, a little minute and I'll try and keep a check on the time this morning because we've got lunch, which is pretty awesome pretty good to come to a church that feeds us as well, spiritually, and out there as well. Apparently, Joan has been in the company of 42 kilos of chicken. So uh, I said to her this morning, Joan, are you all right? She said, I'm hiding. And I said, why are you hiding? She said, because I've been in the kitchen with 42 kilos of chicken. I've never seen so much chicken in my whole life. So we ask you to stay and eat every kilo of chicken, please. Lunch is on. Uh, Yes, as you've heard, Byron and uh, Poppy and Stevie are now in India. And thank you, Anne, for sending me some photographs last night and this morning. Byron praying for some Indian people. He's been hanging out for this trip and uh, he so was worried about being pulled up at customs for any reason at all. And uh, you know, you know that scripture that says your fear shall come upon you? Well, he said, Anne, just pray I'll get through customs. Well, he rang me from the airport and said, guess what? I just got pulled up in customs. And uh, I said, why? What's wrong? He said, my toothpaste was too big. It was... It was beyond the so many mils. What is it, 100 mils or whatever you're allowed? I said, we can deal with toothpaste. That's not a worry. So he's through, he's there, and he's praying for the Indians as we speak and has already preached multiple times in the 40, 50 degree temperatures, whatever it is. And I said, you're not moving over there, are you? And he said, he said, will you come with me? I said, not at those temperatures, I'm not. So, you know, I can do those temperatures all by myself here. And uh, I'm not, not doing that. So anyway, they are good. And I want to talk to you this morning, this word that has been close to my heart. I've called it the space in between. And I think it's good to know what to do with the space in between. Sometimes we... We don't always know what to do with that particular place and uh, we've been touching a little bit out of Isaiah 61 and touching on some of those things over the last few weeks and we will continue to bring that to to the table for you. But I, a few weeks ago when I was speaking I mentioned out of Genesis chapter 1 where it speaks about how there was darkness and how the uh, Spirit of God was hovering. And I, you know, something caught my attention with those words because I, I think if we, if we feel like we're facing darkness or we've been in a time of darkness or turmoil, you've got to know the Spirit of God is hovering. And you are not left alone. You are not left abandoned. You are not left without. The Spirit of God is hovering. And the Spirit of God is hovering. And our planet has been under much in the last few years and but I want you to be encouraged today that even though there's a lot going on in our world and on our planet the spirit of God is hovering and I've got great confidence in the spirit of God and we know that when the spirit of God hovers he's about to speak and when he speaks he speaks life and he speaks light And he speaks separation between light and darkness. And, you know, I can honestly say I have never seen 
such a separation between light and darkness like we're seeing right now. And it's really good to know which side you're on. You want to know which side you're on. And so Isaiah 61, and I'll read some of that to you and then we'll get on to where I really want to go today because it's important. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness from the, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now this scripture, as we mentioned to you some weeks ago, this, this scripture, and this is where I want to touch on today, this scripture, this vision, this prophecy that Isaiah had was something like 700 years before Jesus was standing in the synagogue in Nazareth speaking out of exactly the same scripture. Uh, that scripture that I refer to where Jesus is in the synagogue is found in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through to 19. And, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then we know that Jesus uh, rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant and then sits down and he says, now today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So when that day that Jesus stood in the synagogue, this was no longer a vision, this was no longer a dream. This was no longer a prophetic word that would one day, someday come to pass. This scripture was being fulfilled in their presence. What Jesus, what Isaiah had spoken, what was prophesied 700 years before, was no longer somewhere in the future. It was now a reality today. When Dan spoke out of, around communion this morning... The truth and the power of what Jesus did is now our reality. It is now our now and our today. It is fulfilled in your hearing moment. But 700 years gap. 700 years from the time that Isaiah had the vision to the day when Jesus stood in the synagogue. And I want to I address that a little bit this morning in the few minutes that we have together because I think sometimes we don't know what to do when we are caught between the amens to the hallelujahs. When we sang, I raise a hallelujah, that song came out of a time in a family's life when they were believing God for a physical miracle. So somewhere between agreeing with God that this is what God has said, this is what his word says, this is what has been prophesied, this is the vision, 
somewhere between the amen and the hallelujah that today it is fulfilled in my sight, we sometimes don't know what to do with the space in between. When the weeks or the months or sometimes even the years go by, because you and I as Christian people, born again, Pentecostal people, we love the promises of God. My life is built upon his promise. If I didn't have promises to live by, I don't know whether I would live because it's his promises that have kept me going. It's his promises that have kept my mind on track. It's his, it's his promises that have given me something to stand upon. It's his promises that have caused faith to rise when everything has gone wrong. The promises of God are important to people like you and I because promises provide the possibilities of God. We are faith people. We are faith people. We've got the faith of God within us. We are faith people, so it is the most natural thing to live as people of faith. But where does that faith comes, come from? It comes upon or from the promises of God. And so we don't want to be ignorant and perish because we simply didn't know what the promise was speaking to us about. The promise is prophetic. And sometimes when the promise is spoken, it can be a way up the road before what was spoken there becomes a reality in your sight, a reality in your hearing, a reality in your home, a reality in your body, a reality in that which God has spoken, but we don't always manage ourselves well in between. You see, the promises of God fill us with the amens. I agree with that. I agree and I say amen, let it be done. Praise the Lord. But I would love to be able to tell you that somewhere in that space in between, that each and every one of us will always be the spiritual giants. And we've kept on track and our mind never wandered and our faith never wavered and we never got disheartened or disillusioned. But who knows that during this space in between, there's a lot that gets tested and there's a lot that gets tried and there's a lot that could come our way where we could become very fearful or weakened or even get into a place like Thomas where we doubt and we say, Lord, I believe, but would you please help me in my unbelief? Would you please help me in my unbelief? I mean, whatever that space in between is, that's where we deal with our humanity. That's where we deal with our vulnerabilities. That's where we deal with our own weaknesses. How long will it be before my household is saved? How long will it be before our churches are filled again and people are coming back? How long will it be before my body tells me that I'm healed? How long will it be before I see the fulfillment of what God has spoken and it is fulfilled today in my hearing? How long will it be? It's that space in between that we can get lost 
on our journey home. It's that space in between that doesn't always line up with what God said back here. And I so boldly and confidently said amen to what he said. But then some months have gone by, some years have gone by, some days have gone by, some circumstances have hit, some things that have come that have been contradictory to what I said amen to back here. And here I am caught up somewhere in between and it hasn't yet been fulfilled in my hearing. Yet, how do we go strong from vision to prophecy? Or from vision or from prophecy to that time? And here's what I've learned in the little bit, and I've only got a few minutes to touch on this. Time does not change the promise. It doesn't change the promise. Whatever God said here is just as real here as it is here. It doesn't change the promise. The other thing is this, that time does not change God's mind towards you. It doesn't change God's mind towards what he has spoken or what he has said. Time may challenge your prayers, but time does not weaken your authority as a believer. Time doesn't change the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Time doesn't weaken the name of Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords and as King of Kings. Time does not take him off the throne and time doesn't change God's desire to bring his absolute best your way. Time is not an enemy to God, but it can be a threat to me if I don't choose to walk it well. Time will test, here's what I've learned, time will test your foundations. It will test your foundations. I heard somebody say and a little while ago, and I don't know if it was a dream or a prophecy or what it was, but in this picture he got from God, he saw a concrete slab and then this giant hammer came down like it was a massive massive hammer and it came down and it started to hit the concrete really really strongly and in this picture the the guy that got this picture said he didn't know what it all represented until the Lord spoke to him and said the hammer has come down but the foundations are strong and the hammer will not break your foundations. And church, if I want to encourage you with anything at all today, the fact that you are sitting here this morning, no matter whether you are from somewhere from amen 
to I am somewhere in between and, and uh, things have been challenged and tested and it feels like a hammer has come down. I want to tell you the mere fact that you are here today, that hammer of trial, that hammer of pressure, that hammer of situation or circumstance will not break your foundations and the reason is, is because your foundations are in Christ. They're in Christ. And when your foundations are in Christ and it's not some man-made religious experience, the hammer will come, the gates of hell will come, but the foundations remain and those foundations will get you through until today it is fulfilled in my hearing, in Jesus' name. You see... This incredible place, journey, place that we find ourselves in can be weighty at times. This space in between, we get caught in the time trap. And I don't like that because once I've made a decision on something, I want it pretty much now. You know what I mean? You know, pretty much now. But didn't you say you were going to do that? Yeah, but I didn't mean now. You know, for anyone who hears a husband saying that. <laughs> I told Byron that I needed a chair painted and I got real excited. I just didn't realise that uh, six weeks would go by. <laughs> I thought the chair would be painted like now. You know what I mean? It's this time trap that we get caught in this measuring line Feeling like, God, are you anywhere in this space? Did I really hear what you said up here? Did I read it right? Did I say amen to the right thing? King Nebuchadnezzar, I think we know the story reasonably well, but I read it recently and it was like, with fresh eyes, King Nebuchadnezzar is furious. He's got these three men that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's got these three men that refuse to bow and refuse to bow to the golden image and refuse to pay any attention to Nebuchadnezzar. And so the king orders that the furnace be turned up seven times hotter. Not only that, just to make sure, just to make double sure, he sends his strongest soldiers. I mean, I mean, really, you know, get me the strongest soldiers here and make sure these strong, strong men tie up these three and turn up the furnace seven times hotter. And that's what took place. So these men were bound. They were thrown into the fire. And if anyone feels like in the last few years the heat got turned up, you're in really good company. If your furnace got turned up, I'm there right with you. Where the heat of situation, circumstance and different things, where the heat got intensified, but this story here, it says that these men were dressed in their robes, dressed in their trousers, turbans and other clothing. 
And then urgent orders. Why was it so urgent? Why was it so urgent? And I believe it was urgent because if these guys weren't dealt with, they were a threat to the plans of the enemy. A threat to the plans of an enemy. And they were thrown into the fire. And then in Daniel chapter 3, let me read six verses to you. 24 to 30, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, Weren't there three? Weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? And they replied, Certainly, King. And he said, But... I can see four men walking around in the fire and they are unbound and they are unharmed and the fourth looks like the son of God's. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out here. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there on that day? I mean, just to see his face, you know what I mean? It would have been one of those jaw-dropping moments. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors and the royal advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. They saw that no hair on their heads had been singed. They saw that their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants and they trusted in him and defied the king's command and they were willing to get, they were willing to give up their own lives rather than to serve or to worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of these three men be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. He's a great guy, this one, isn't he? <laughs> and for no other god can save this way. And then the king promotes Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. In the space in between and in the space in between for these three guys, it was right in the middle of the furnace. It was right in the middle of a situation of they've got a choice whether they'll bow to a false god, bow to a, an evil king. And somewhere in that place in between... We find here that there was indeed an enemy who had come after their lives and the heat had been turned up and they were bound so that they could not move and yet God had rescued them. He had delivered them. How do you and I get from confession to promotion? Because that's what happened to these three men even if situations had come to bind you or to try and harm you or to try and cause you to lose your hope or your faith, when you've been tied up by all natural circumstances, 
which should have been a swift end for these three guys. And yet the story reads here that these men, they were unbound, they were unharmed, they were unashamed of the God that they trusted in, and the fire had not taken away their faith. I am so challenged by this because when you find yourself in a fiery situation, whether it be the fire of accusation, whether it be the fire of criticism, whether it be the fire of disappointment, whether it be the fire of something that just hasn't worked out well and you find yourself in and you know that if you bow to that, you will get bound up by the whole thing. But what if up here you had said amen to something that God had said, this is your word, this is your promise, this is where I want you to live, this is the place that I want your conviction to be. What if you said amen? up here, amen, and you found yourself in the fire here. But what if today, today, the scripture is fulfilled and you are unharmed? Because you are unashamed of what you had said amen to up here. And the story here, and I learn a couple of things from it now, time is running away. I find here with these three men that this place in between, which I think is the place that you and I need to be in as well, is that daily we live with conviction. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to know what you believe. You know, when we first entered a Pentecostal church, one of the things that I caught a hold of quickly was... I know now what I believe. And once I knew what I believed, it was easy to say amen. But I realized too that that same amount of conviction up there had to be the same amount of conviction in the middle and it was the same amount of conviction here. God had not changed his word. He hadn't written another Bible to live by. His scriptures had not changed and what I had said amen to up here will be the same amen in the middle and the same amen at the end. You live with conviction, not just mental assent, not just it's all in my head kind of deal, but once it gets deep down on the inside of you, you know you've got the conviction of God and it will hold you in the fire. It will hold you in the in-between place. It will keep you in place knowing that God has not changed. And he is indeed the same God that he was at the amen. And he'll be the same God at the hallelujah. These men confessed out of their place of conviction. That's where their confession came. I'm amazed sometimes at confessions that I hear. And I think that confession needs to hold up in the middle. It needs to hold up here. When the heat is turned up, when the fire has come, when your faith is challenged, when things fall apart, your confession needs to hold up here because I've built conviction and revelation here. And these men operated out of that place of confession 
because it was built in conviction. The other thing is this. It's much easier to trust when you've got conviction. It's not so easy to trust when you don't have conviction. And we find here what God did. He sent an angel. He sent an angel to protect them. I'm completely and utterly convinced. Utterly convinced. That God has rescued us many times over through angelic presence. Many times over. I could tell you multiple stories. Some of you have heard the story of my two daughters who drove straight underneath a truck with the tray coming through the windscreen, pinning them to the dash. That particular day, a man showed up at their window as their car was filling up with smoke. And the man put his head through the window and said, I've come to get you out. Put them over on the side, called the emergency services. And that man disappeared. They never saw him arrive and they never saw him leave. Their car was filled with smoke. But there was no smoke on them. There was not a broken bone. I believe that day an angel showed up. I could tell you many stories and you would have your own. The place in between is where God sends supernatural provision, supernatural help. We are just not man-made Christians to make silly confessions and empty-headed statements. But when you are born again, you are born again into conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the God that has come to save, to rescue, to heal, to deliver, to help in a time of need. And my confession and my conviction there will be the same here and it'll be the same tomorrow. And he sends an angel to rescue them. And then they come into their place of promotion. So how do you and I go from promise to promotion in this space in between? I've touched on a few things this morning. I want us to be people in this day that we are fully persuaded. We're not half-hearted, running cold, running hot, running lukewarm, running in, running out, maybe should I, I don't know. Flimsy Christianity won't hold up in this time. It just won't. Flimsy Christianity is like, it just disappears. It's got no depth. We need to be people that are fully persuaded. And confession comes from that real place of knowing your God. And God will do the great exploits over your life. Confession doesn't change before, during or after. Living with conviction is building a trust in God 
And when you've got that, then you can say, anything's possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. God is raising up his church. He is raising up the body of Christ to make a difference on the earth today. Today. Here's the other thing, and I'll close with this. This place in between is temporary. It's temporary. The furnace was temporary. The place from the day that Isaiah prophesied to the day when Jesus spoke in the synagogue, yes, it was 700 years, but it was temporary. But it didn't change the word. And whatever in-between place you find yourself in, you need to tell yourself that this too will change, but God will not. This too will change, but His Word is unchanging. His promises are unfailing. And I will stand upon the unfailing promises of God. This space in between is proof. It is proof that you will make it. It is proof that you will come through on the other side because God is faithful to get you there. And it is proof that you don't need to smell like smoke along the way because I'm standing under the covering of God from amen to hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.